0: We're live. This is Matthew, and I'm back with my dude Rizzle for another special interview on the Matthew and Rizzle Show. Today, our guest is a developer evangelist at Blockstack. His name is Joe. He's going to tell us all about what Blockstack is doing uh, to make the world a little bit less evil and what they've been doing to build out a powerful decentralized computing network on top of the Bitcoin blockchain Excited to get into this. Blockstack is an OG project in the space. Uh, a lot of positive associations, a lot of work and development. Um, so I'm really excited to have Joe hop on the show. So welcome, Joe.
1: Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, a certified anti-evil developer evangelist, Joe Bender, here <laughs> at your service. Thanks for
0: having me. <laughs> yeah, and well, it'd be cool if we could get started with a little bit of background on yourself, um, like where you're coming from what your background is, and then we can jump into explaining what Blockstack is today.
1: Yeah, it sounds perfect. I'll give you the, the too long, didn't read. Um, grew up in Pittsburgh, spent my entire childhood and education there, went to the University of Pittsburgh, Got my bachelor's in information science, and then was an ultimate frisbee junkie, so had to keep going to school to keep playing ultimate frisbee. Obviously, <laughs> so went back and got my uh, my graduate degree and got a master's in information science. Fortunately, once Frisbee ended, I realized having a master's was actually a good thing, you know, in the end, and I uh, decided to use it and throw it in the car and go to New York City. My buddy was a lot more plugged into crypto and blockchain back then. And who knows what the first point of contact was, but shot me some Ethereum thing and uh, actually learned about Ethereum kind of before Bitcoin. I'd probably heard of Bitcoin, but learned more about blockchain technology through Ethereum. fortunate enough to get connected with Joe Lubin and work. Worked at Consensus for three years, all during the the 2017 uh, ICO boom, CryptoKitties, DeFi, uh, just you name it. All of the peaks and valleys of the the crypto roller coaster. I was um, uh, hanging on for dear life at Consensus for, and just, I mean, you guys are in blockchain. Anyone listening to this might be in blockchain. You age tenfold in blockchain, not only physically, but uh, intellectually, too. You, you learn a lot in a short amount of time in blockchain. So had a lot of fun at Consensus. Just it, the Ethereum community was really vibrant. All the ETH global events, going to DevCon and ETH Denver and just seeing projects come out of the woodwork and, and try new innovative use cases on blockchain. It was crazy. And I uh, stepped away from Consensus earlier this year in February, and joined Blockstack as a developer evangelist and has been an awesome transition to just uh, a different technology, different communities, had been ingrained in the, in the Ethereum ecosystem for so long. It was kind of really intriguing to get a different perspective on blockchain and kind of dive into Bitcoin world a little bit. And open my eyes to a, a less tribal view of crypto and more. Uh, crypto is more about blockchain than individual tokens. Let's, let's kind of all work together to make this work. As for Blockstack, is, like we just said, blockchain years are, are much shorter. Um, the fact Blockstack has been around for, for five plus years is kind of impressive. An old geezer in the space by this point. Yeah, Muniba Lee. And I think Ryan Shea back in the day had a lot of crazy ideas. We're hanging out at Princeton, throwing around a lot of like uh, intellectual network level ideas, less like we want to build a blockchain, more there's a problem and we want to solve it. And let's use blockchain to solve it. So Blockstack kind of launched and made the mission of creating a a user-controlled internet, a user-owned internet, (laughs) not to go... Too into the historical weeds, but the internet is awesome. You know, it's super cool. And we had some, some cool decentralized P2P file transfer protocols, the Torrent call. And back in the day with LimeWire and Kazaa, like the original internet started as a, as a pretty decentralized thing, but it, it soon gravitated to these big centralized walled gardens of Data and harvesting your private information for for advertisers. So what we want to do is shift back to that early conception of the internet, where it is owned by the public. It's a public utility, a public infrastructure that that should be supported by everyone, and everyone has, should have equal access and rights to privacy on that network so the interesting thing about blockchain technology is that that wasn't really possible until blockchain in a digital format blockchain is simply like a tool that lets people take control of of the infrastructure instead of profit motivated corporations because as much fun as it is sharing a cat photo on instagram or putting out some thought leadership on twitter or how easy it is to pay your friends on venmo Facebook owns all your data. Twitter owns all your thought leadership. Venmo is looking at all the people that you're paying and just constructing a map of your lifestyle and the things you like to spend money on. It's just a dangerous world that we've that we've kind of gravitated into where um, the digital world is no longer uh, an open space. It, it's no longer like a totally free space. It's kind of um, monopolized by, by a bunch of different... Um, by the FANG companies that we we've come to know and love so much, so what Blockstack is doing is creating the software for that user-owned internet, the software that leverages blockchain and enables the the new generation of applications where devs and users interact fairly, securely, less cloak and dagger, less click to accept terms and conditions. Um, We just want to use the blockchain to build protocols, developer tools that enable a more like open internet, all focused on digital rights for the consumers. So we thought, how do we do that? We really like Bitcoin. We think Bitcoin's cool. There's a trillion blockchains right now. But Bitcoin is like that old tried and true pair of jeans. You know, it's always going to be there. And it's reliable and secure. I don't know if a pair of jeans can be secure. Um, But we really believe that any of this new expressive user-controlled internet should be anchored to Bitcoin because of a lot of logical reasons. It's kind of the only crypto that's a household name at this point. Even if your grandma doesn't understand block times, gas limits, or elliptical curve signatures, she might have heard of Bitcoin on Silicon Valley or, or seen a, a Bitcoin QR code on that on that graffiti. It's, it's kind of uh, our Trojan horse to the mainstream um, of showing what crypto can do, how powerful it is, how well adopted it actually is more than uh, a lot of people think it is in the normal world. And that's kind of all the soft benefits of it, of, of how ubiquitous it's become. But the hard benefits of it it's just how secure it is and how the market dominance of it and um, the security, the, the secure features of it, it, it's much less expressive, a lot less attack vectors. But that is exactly what makes it secure It's that it is so simple. It's kind of like the lowest common denominator implementation of crypto. And well, a lot of people may Think that's a shortcoming of it. A lot of these meme coin, emoji coin diehards right now, yield farming and open and CDPs and all sorts of crazy DeFi stuff, they may think, like, look at Bitcoin. That's literally a horse and carriage compared to our DeFi sports car. They have ground to stand on. Yes, they do. Um, a lot of these DAP chains have much more expressive uh, programming languages and uh, and more complex functionality that just lets DAP founders and and engineers do crazier stuff. But I really think that um, that Bitcoin is a necessary simplicity in the blockchain space. It, it's kind of the standard. Uh, the the control group while all other uh, protocols are the experiment group it has unparalleled security unparalleled consistency and can just be relied upon so when we're spinning up a new blockchain we're like electricity is a thing and people are hating on blockchains for consuming lots of electricity there's really no reason to totally do another consumption of electricity to secure a totally independent protocol so what Blockstack did was thought how do we recycle bitcoin's energy use a chain that's already major player and obviously king of the blockchain hill but also add all of that expressive DApp functionality that people are honestly hungry for. Like, if you are a Bitcoin maximalist saying like, "Hook oh, DeFi, what a craze!" Like, I'm just gonna sit here on my orange throne of Bitcoin and let all these other cool experiments phase out until Bitcoin is the only one left. If that's your your conviction, I I hate to break it to you, but you are wrong. There are much um, more intriguing use cases for blockchain than just a store of value or just um, a digital gold uh, sort of currency. I think that the most interesting stuff that's happened on blockchain has been in, in the last year or so with a lot of the DeFi projects and crazy cryptographic mechanisms that, that are just chopping up and mixing up crypto in all sorts of different ways and giving you liquidity provider tokens and secondary markets and adaptive currencies, all these, all these cool monetary mechanisms that literally were not possible before blockchain. That's like, uh, I want to keep bringing it back to that where it's like blockchain is genuinely extending Monetary functionality in ways that have never been possible with normal fiat or banknotes or any sort of traditional currency. So, to tie it all back together, let's just bring it zoom all the way back out. Blockstack anchoring to Bitcoin. How are we doing it? With a new proof of transfer consensus mechanism, we have adopted a totally novel consensus mechanism that um, is using Bitcoin in a really cool, new, interesting way. Little history, there's proof of work where you're consuming electricity to secure the network. There's proof of stake where you are locking up a certain amount of value to secure the network block stacks blockchain started with a proof of burn consensus mechanism which was a cool novel use of bitcoin where miners are burning bitcoin to signal participation in the mining mechanism but we love bitcoin so you never want to be burning that stuff bitcoin's good stuff also feel free to like stop me and ask questions i, I go at a, okay. <laughs> i go at a million miles an hour only only one speed <laughs> Um uh Bitcoin is great. You never want to be burning Bitcoin. So the like um charmander to charmeleon evolution of proof of burn was from proof of burn to proof of transfer. So instead of burning that Bitcoin and sending it to an invalid Bitcoin address where where it will be locked up forever, which is cool and all, you know, it's showing that the miners are committed to the chain if they're willing to burn Bitcoin, but we can do something better with that. And that is where stacking comes into play and stacking, not to be confused with staking, although it's similar to staking is when let's say you're a a block stacker hanging out on stacks 2.0, you got your stacks currency, the native value on your protocol. You're just holding it. You're a a, a good actor and and a friendly participant. Let's say you want to uphold the security of the network, add some value to it. So you're going to lock up those Stacks tokens and become a stacker. Let's say you got some excess Stacks that you're not using and you want to make it work for you. Um, You can lock up those Stacks tokens much in the same way that people would lock up 32 ETH to be a validator on ETH2. It's just a simple um, declaration of sending a transaction saying, lock this amount of tokens. Um, and since those stackers are adding value to the network by putting uh, stacks on it, they're adding security to the network by increasing the total value of the network and just the, you know, all the good stuff that comes with that, um, transaction throughput and and uh just the amount of currency that is flowing through the network and being locked up on it. We believe those stackers should be compensated for their participation in the network. And that is where the Bitcoin goes. So miners are sending Bitcoin, transferring Bitcoin to uh, compete, to lead a block on the Stacks 2.0 blockchain. And then that Bitcoin they are committing is being rewarded to the stacker's on the protocol, so right there, boom! Like, welcome to DeFi land. Like, even even the core consensus mechanism, in my opinion, is a cool interplay of multiple currencies. So in a way, kind of DeFi esque, you are locking up your stacks tokens, receiving Bitcoin for it. Hey, let's say you want to be a miner too, as a stacker, then you're just getting a discount on your mining because you're getting a little bit of um, Bitcoin from from stacking. So that is stacks 2.0 and proof of transfer and what the, the long rant was kind of leading to Um, the proof of transfer consensus mechanism. We we've been in, Testnet mode for a long time. Like I said, Blockstack started with Stacks 1.0, which used that proof of burn mechanism. Um, Back then, we were kind of just focused on data portability and authentication and logging in. You might have heard of Blockstack ID. There's a couple of apps you can log into with Blockstack ID. That was our focus before. The shift to Stacks 2.0 is, is bringing it all back to the consensus mechanism and in, in the evolution of uh, the Stacks blockchain. So what is the big deal going on this Thursday? We are transitioning from the Argon phase of the test uh, We we love uh, Noble Gases. All of our Testnet phases are named after Noble Gases. I think Noble Gases, uh, I know it's gases, but I'm really bad with my periodic table. It could be like another categorization of Gases yeah i like the term noble gases feels very regal we were in the argon phase for a long time uh We started with Neon, and that was just like, connect your node to the network. Uh, Then we moved on to Argon, and that implemented mining, but it was still using that proof of burn mining. This Thursday, we are transitioning over to the Krypton uh, phase of the testnet. Superman will be pleased. And that is implementing that proof of transfer consensus mechanism. So this Thursday is like Blockstack Christmas. We are all on the edge of our seat with excitement that the community is finally going to get to sync their teeth into this new feature um, experiment with proof of transfer mining test out uh, sending x and y amounts of bitcoin to see if they can lead the block stackers can start testing out the bitcoin uh, rewards from from just the mining stacking interplay there Um, and yeah you could try stacking and mining and seeing the economics there and like balancing the incentives of how much bitcoin do i want to commit how much bitcoin am i receiving from stacking how many stacks do i have to lock up i'm like in the, like, the three edges of or three points on that triangle of of decision making in in stacks 2.0 world um yeah so thursday really looking forward to that pass it on back to you guys got any specific questions or anything dude.
0: <laughs> yeah holy crap dude so yeah i mean well <laughs> All right. Going all the way back to your introduction, I just want to say, like, it's pretty dope to have three Pennsylvania boys all talking, even though we're in different parts of the world.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Where are you guys from? Outside of Philadelphia. Ooh Philly. OK, no, we can still celebrate Pennsylvania. We can. Yeah. <laughs> Eagles aren't doing too good this year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually went to Pitt for a couple of years for undergrad before I transferred to Korea University out here in Seoul. Oh, amazing, man. H2P. So, And then your your whole explanation about Blockstack is, well, it may surprise you, but it's exactly how I thought about Blockstack. This kind of like Ferrari suite of software that is just like super powerful. It does, sounds like it does all the things, Uh, but our listeners are obviously more technical, um, but they're also super involved in NFT land. So really consumer facing end products, they like to get their hands dirty and, and make things. So I'm curious, like this Thursday, when uh, Stacks 2.0 comes off of Testnet and folks can get their hands dirty, I'm curious, like what, if any, like consumer facing uh, products or, or features could people expect to, to be able to get their hands on?
1: yeah absolutely um i think this thursday is is less about like all the exciting end products that will result from it and more about the like oh i'm gonna get yelled that for saying this but <laughs> the boring protocol level stuff not boring at all just uh sometimes really dense and, and technical and, and hard to understand what's going on under the hood of the blockchain um kind of replacing the engine of of our blockchain uh the, the core consensus protocol what it is is as for like consumer-facing applications relating to the stuff going on this Thursday and in the, the change of consensus mechanism, uh, we're running a hackathon called HackStacks. It's launching in like seven days. We wanted to launch it a week after Krypton launched to just give a week for reliability issues to get sorted out and to make sure the the chain's purring away before hackers get at it. But that hackathon is going to be totally focused on making those like beautiful consumer-facing UIs and applications that will make stacking and mining much easier much like a couple months ago when we first launched testnet it was all done through command line pretty technical um, had to download all the libraries and dependencies and stuff and then we had a couple hackathons and the next thing you know we have all these beautiful web apps for for calculating your your stacking returns and and all sorts of much more easily digestible ways to like interact with the core protocol. So that's kind of what we're hoping uh, with this next hackathon. Obviously stacking and mining from the bat will will be from the command line, much like uh, you connected your node or started mining in the last two phases of testnet, it'll be following through a tutorial, getting your your node all set up, downloading the stacks blockchain from GitHub, and getting your proof of transfer miner all configured. But um, what we're hoping with the Hackstacks hackathon is that – it will result in some much more accessible uh, web applications for just connecting using your block stack ID and using HTML to commit a certain amount of Bitcoin or stacks and and make that a, a lot easier. Those applications will obviously be aimed at like protocol level stuff and stacking and mining as for more generalized applications and, and the fun stuff, the, the less boring stuff as, as I am. Um, a machine to say that is where clarity kind of comes into play and give like a little rundown of clarity. Now it's our smart contract programming language, um, much like when we realized Bitcoin needed more expressive functionality, uh, a more complex programming language. That is kind of why we create stacks 2.0 as the blueprint for how you don't have to forsake Bitcoin to be able to have adapt chain. So with the launch of, I think, Argon, the Argon phase, we unveiled the Clarity Smart Contract Programming Language. Super cool programming language, similar to Solidity, but uh, a couple of different design principles. And that is enabling... DApps, DAO, DeFi, CryptoKitties, MemeCoin, YAMCoin, PotatoCoin. Now that Stacks 2.0 has that smart contract programming language, it's all up for grabs. Uh, anything you want to build, any cool DApp that you've seen on another chain it is able to be built um, on Stacks 2.0. We had two smart contract hackathons and I'm like still picking my jaw up from the floor on some of the stuff that was built. Like you know it's bad when like the hackers understand the language more than myself <laughs> and I'm the developer evangelist. Um, these people are building the craziest stuff. in, in the first round we had a, a total replica of uniswap built, just trustless token swap on clarity. and with that came an SRC20 uh, token implementation. There's the ERC20 token on on Ethereum. If you take a glance at the coin market cap top 100, most of those are ERC20 tokens. Um, it's just having the ability to create a new ch- token and, and host it on a chain is so critical to to having these these DAP chains spring up. So seeing an SRC20 standard on Stacks 2.0, outlining all the rules for a new token, you know, you need all those special methods of minting the token and transferring it and uh, the initial supply, all, all that stuff, all the parameters you need to create a new token possible on Stacks 2.0. And then that same guy in the last hackathon built a total replica of Ampleforth on on Stacks 2.0, which if you don't know about that, it's like an adaptive currency where the supply is constantly changing and like your balance in your wallet changes instead of like the price. And there's liquidity geysers in Ampleforth they call, where if you provide liquidity, you get a liquidity token similar to the like uni token uh, that was unveiled this week or last week. And then you can have that liquidity token on a secondary market. All of that that crazy DeFi stuff is starting to spring up uh, thanks to Clarity. And it's... It's also, uh, for me personally, an interesting like narrative. I, I had joined Ethereum at the beginning right as smart contracts were taken off and dApps were springing up. I still remember wasting an entire day at consensus trading CryptoKitties and probably making more than I was getting paid that day for my real job. But it, it's funny to see that type of explosion of experimentation now happening again on, a, on an entirely new chain and, and seeing all these all these different utilities pop up and and people really take the programming language and run with it. And I mean, we do have the added benefit of people being a little bit familiar with smart contract languages lately. Uh, A lot of the people experimenting on clarity were accomplished solidity devs and, uh, and, it's an easy translation of knowledge of just, Oh, okay. This is how the syntax is different. This is how I'm declaring variables differently. Oh, okay. I can write a smart contract in clarity. Um, we've seen that happen time and time again and, and, uh, and just getting feedback from the devs and, and hearing about the benefits of clarity and they're, they're really like, not having to worry about gas right now. I, uh, was messing around with ethereum the other day and was kind of shocked at a at a $20 gas fee but yeah just really excited to see more and more dapps pop up on on stacks 2.0 and like i said a lot of our hackathons have been focused on pretty technical deep stuff such as smart contracts or stacking and mining tools and I think once we lay all this groundwork and we build the basement and the water heaters working and everything then we'll start to see all of the more like substantive total package projects emerge yeah right now we're seeing this. you can delegate as stacking so if if you don't have enough stacks to stack on your own you can pool together and delegate stacking so we're seeing like cool front ends for that coming out and front ends for entering a certain Bitcoin price, a certain stocks price, And uh how much you're willing to stack and then it calculating like your potential returns on stacking. Um yeah, a lot of the stuff we're seeing right now is more of like developer tools um as we get stuff up to snuff. I I keep referring to it as like building an amusement park. Right now we're like hiring the entertainers and building the roller coasters and getting that cotton candy machine going. Um so then when mainnet launches and the gates open to our amusement park, there is a bunch of stuff to do. And play with, and uh, it's it's an engaging place to be. You know, I think that's why that's why the Ethereum uh, DApp scene and DeFi has done so well the last couple months because it's an exciting, rewarding place to be. Not not only financially and, and um, in the monetary aspect, but uh, great community, and you learn a lot and uh, learn a lot about economics and macro, and micro, and and the incentives and game theory. Um, so yeah, we're just doing everything we can to make Stacks 2.0 Know, a, a engaging and captivating place to spend your time and and uh, participate in with your value in your crypto <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our our slogan is is can't be evil because uh in the early days Google's slogan was don't be evil. And at the time that was extremely lauded and and praised as like a genius branding move and marketing move and they were on the rise of as one of the biggest Tech conglomerates on the planet, and it was kind of a proclamation of like, don't be scared, like, we're just trying to make the world a better place. I think, like, that term is so cliche now, but back in the day, like, that stuff used to actually get said, like, we're making the world a better place. So, our kind of cynical spin on that was, can't be evil. Um, And it's kind of just saying, like, you, Muneeb says, you should never be in the position of power where you have to decide if you, if you want to be evil or not. And it's funny that, that Google's don't be evil slogan kind of, uh, has that assumed maybe the genius marketer didn't think that one through very well, but Google had that much power. And a long time ago, they were making the decision to, to not be evil, but I think they had the right at some point to change their mind and maybe decide to, um, care care less about being evil. yeah so i using that as our as our slogan and uh oh my gosh i'll never forget at a devcon in Prague, i think um blockstack put up a big billboard that said uh can't be evil right outside of the 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 main venue and i didn't work for blockstack then and i remember seeing that and being like wow that's so ballsy and like an awesome uh, an awesome move, um, and I think what it refers to is just the technology and, and blockchain, and the fact that um, it's not even getting you the the position to be evil. And I think to your question of like how. BlockStack and Stacks 2.0 enables that on top of the like just saying blockchain like the apps are built on blockchain so they're more secure I think the biggest thing is like the data portability and, and the self-sovereign identity and authentication aspect of it so in the eventual end game utopia of this thriving dApp ecosystem on Stacks 2.0 instead of logging in with with a traditional email address and password um you will be using your Blockstack ID. And it's all about data portability and only leasing out the certain information that you um, want to let that product or application have access to. Um, I always liken it to like going to a bar uh, in, in college or something. You go to a bar and there's a bouncer there and you hand the bouncer your ID and they look down and they're checking to see how old you are to see if you're letting the bar but they're also getting your home address and your driver's license number and your eye color and your hair color. And are you a blood donor? And like all of this extraneous information. Like, I don't want some big, scary person in a leather jacket with a toothpick, like knowing where I live. Um, and I think that's a perfect microcosm of like uh, the current internet. You know, when you are Um, logging in with Facebook or logging in with Google or not even that, just using a normal email address and leaving a trail of cookies and, and certain like information data points around and signing up for all these newsletters and, and, uh, and using Instagram, and then getting ads about a post you just looked at it's, we're under constant bombardment from this massive map of data that, that the advertising world has constructed about us. Um, I, I would be so baffled at, I read a tweet the other day that was like, I want to see the map. Like, I just want to see my data. Like, I know it's being harvested, but I want to know what they have on me. And I think it would be truly uh, mind-boggling for anyone to look at the persona that the advertising world has created for you. And not only how spot on it would be, but I think it would maybe even know who you are as a person better than yourself sometimes, you know, because it ignores all of your personal biases and, and preconceptions and just gives you the hard data of the way you are interacting with the internet. Um, so what data portability is, is all of your information and private information, email address, birthday, um, amount of crypto you own, stuff like that is, um, uh, you, Pick and choose what you want an application to have access to. So there's an application on block stack called Block Survey, um, where it's just simple surveys. It's like uh, what's the survey website? It's like Survey Monkey, Monkey or something that most people use. Um, and uh, all you need to use that application. Is your name and email that that application doesn't need information, doesn't need your social security number. It doesn't need to know how much crypto you have. And in that way, you are less of a product and more of a... (laughs) more of an internet explorer of sorts. Um, I like to think of it as that, of you are in your, your ship in the ocean of the internet, and you are pulling up to port at these different websites. And when you do, it might say, hey, we need to know your name, your date of birth, and how much swap token you're willing to commit. Um, so you only give them access to that sort of information. And we'll see that uh, with a lot of different applications on Blockstack as you log in and it will show you a snippet of the type of information that the application wants to access. So it's always giving you feedback um, instead of scrolling through like a hundred pages of a uh, terms and condition about like all the ways they're going to steal your life and information and use it against you.
0: I have a question about that. I mean, of course not having to, to log in or sign into things and, like, leave a data trail with, like, all your, your personal information and your parents and your great-grandparents and, and things like that. Um, we're, all, like, interacting with decentralized web. We're going to be leaving a different type of da- data trail, right? We're going to be spending things, buying things. Um, and there, there's definitely going to be a way to construct, like, personas and link folks together and help with discovery and things like that. Like, is there any potential issue with the, the new data streams and data trails that folks will be leaving out in the open? Um, is like, is, is privacy of those actions going to be, become something super paramount for folks, like in the DeFi space, maybe wanting to hide their transactions and the amounts that they're transacting for, it or something like that? Like, it feels like this is going to be a never-ending kind of like, like reducer so or whatever. Like, there's going to be another snakehead that rears its head when it comes to, to privacy and data on the
1: internet yeah absolutely and i think like even the way you're phrasing it demonstrates just like general uncertainty about like what the future will be like and there's a special permanence with blockchain that is daunting that uh the history is always there and and that that dark web drug purchase you made back in college will always be associated with with that uh, wallet address. Um, dark. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's less of like a, a Stacks 2.0 specific and more of just like a blockchain in general question. And yet yeah, you see the craziness mm-hmm. this past week of, of people who used multiple addresses with Uniswap to obfuscate their identity and and leave less of a transaction history trail were actually rewarded by, by getting uh, airdropped more UNI tokens. It's funny to see that type of like uh, operational security being rewarded. I, I like that yeah it's a really good question, and there's no perfect answer with a bow on it. and you see so many attempts of like crypto tumblers and tornado cash trying to obscure um, like paths of crypto. and obviously, with every high profile exploit and in hack, there's always like the mad dash to try to uncover where the funds are going and who is benefiting from it. Yeah, I don't know exactly how, like, the self-sovereign identity space will evolve, but I do know that it's definitely making people think more about it conscientiously and deliberately, whereas I feel like in Web 2.0, it was, like, hide it, hide it as much as possible. Just make it, like, as easy as possible for the user to get to the free app, and that is, like, what caused a lot of the a lot of users to sacrifice their data for ease of use and accessibility. I think blockchain, the stakes are even higher because it has value attached to it. You're not just sending around photos or videos or micro blogging posts. Um, it is your currency and your, your wealth and your capital and your ability to do things, especially because like all the actions done on a blockchain are with value that the amount of value you have is like directly proportional to the potential actions you can do on the network and the amount of, uh, and that's not even factoring in like the market and then the effect that you can have on the market. Yeah. Good question. Uh, I just don't know how it's going to evolve. I think that it's a multi wallet future. I think people will have like certain wallets dedicated for certain applications I think that there's a lot of different attempts right now to remedy the situation and it's coming up with a lot of great ex- experiments and we're learning a lot of lessons. Like you look at ENS or um, at the Ethereum name service and attaching a certain dot ENS name to your profile. That can be super useful when you're trying to have a public persona. Maybe you're using three box and you're making like a really public ETH address for, for, public experimentation and posting about uh your dap tinkerings on twitter but that's much less helpful when you're trying to like stay private and move around your vault or or crypto you're ashamed of having let's say you're a waifu coin whale and you're ashamed of it um you don't want anyone know that not address stuff of that nature i think uh I, like I logged into Uniswap to check out my uni the other day, and I didn't even realize I had an ENS name associated with that address, so I log into Uniswap, and it's like, hey there, joebender.eth, and I'm like, oh, great, my public name associated with an account. Um and I would consider myself a crypto pro, and even I didn't. I didn't know that. You know, I bought some ENS name years ago and and forgot about it, and like kept using that wallet. Um, so there's a lot to to consider, and I think it's just teaching conscientiousness. Um, you just got to like think about your data and how you're using it. Yeah, I'm certainly excited to see. And like I said, it's like can't be evil refers to just like building the technology in a way that that will make things better. So I don't know how the like provenance of your crypto will, will, uh, track in the future. But I do know that like blockchain is a much better foundation for that to be built on than, than like web 2.0 world. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, First of all, I think like, I always refer to proof of transfer as like a blueprint because we are obviously anchoring Stacks 2.0 to Bitcoin, but that mechanism is almost uh, a chain agnostic blueprint. You know, you could use proof of transfer to anchor into another proof of work blockchain. So- I think our very, like, core consensus mechanism is uh, demonstrating a certain level of interoperability and flexibility. The fact that the new consensus mechanism could be compatible with a myriad of different chains, like, could be appealing to DAP founders. I think like our scalability benefits are quite obvious. Uh, Our main Stacks blocks are tied one-to-one with Bitcoin blocks. So who knows Bitcoin block time now, like 10 to 15 minutes or something. Um, But the main blocks will be in lockstep with Bitcoin. But what Stacks has is these micro blocks that allow there to be a boatload of micro blocks in between the Stacks blocks, which makes for quasi- infinite transaction throughput in that all of those stacks microblocks are like bundled into a single stacks block and then stacks transaction to the Bitcoin chain. So in that way, uh, definitely some like less scalability concerns than, than ETH one. I think the like transition from ETH one to ETH two, it would be like stressful as a Dapp founder right now. The other big thing is I was talking about this clarity design principles and how it differs from Solidity. Obviously, like Solidity is really familiar, so we wanted to kind of have it be similar in a sense that it would be easy to start getting started on Clarity if if you had already made smart contracts in the past. But... One of the biggest things is clarity is like super predictable and has very unambiguous syntax and it is interpreted. Um, It is not compiled. Solidity is compiled into bytecode through the EVM and what is actually like being executed on the blockchain, you would need to be a robot to read it. Clarity is interpreted, not compiled, deployed onto the blockchain exactly as you see, what you see is what you get, WYSIWYG. Crazy blockchain acronyms. And then that makes it so easy to audit, it, whether you're a professional auditor or you're just like a casual onlooker on GitHub. Um, it makes the contracts really accessible for anyone to get started with. And it's also decidable. I, I won't go like super into the weeds on this, but it is deliberately not touring complete. And everyone always loves to champion Solidity and Ethereum for being touring complete, touring completeness. Everyone loves Alan Touring. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch movie. Woo, functionality. Computers used to be as big as rooms. Nah. I think touring completeness has been like a cloak and daggery, like buzzwordy computer science word in the space. And it has actually like forsaken uh solidity devs a little bit in that look at the gas fees right now i spent 20 dollars to sell uniswap the other day and uh it gas limits and block limits and the amount of computational cost that your your contract is going to have when it's deployed to the blockchain it's just like a de- developer's worst nightmare to be juggling all of that during the development process i mean coding is already hard and takes a lot of um taking in a lot of different factors like i, I mean if if your directory has a bunch of different contracts and a bunch of different files and a front end a react front end and it's interacting with the back end blockchain and Uh, You need multiple transactions to do this one thing. Thinking about all of that and then adding like high gas costs and, and gas frustrations on top of that would just, I mean, I see why Gnosis jumped ship from Ethereum to XDAI this week. Like it's just not sustainable to think as an app founder. If you are, so you have employees, you're trying to feed families, you need the, the infrastructure that your project is built on to be consistent. And um, you need to know that if sushi or a kitty comes out of nowhere and clogs the network, that you will still be able to function as a project. Um, And I think that is going to be one of the biggest incentives for people to try out Stacks 2.0. Just making smart contracts and incorporating them into your dApps is going to be like a much less painful process. And I think we just have like little quality of life improvements sprinkled throughout the language and the way it was structured that make it a nice place to develop and and build your project on.
0: It's going to be really interesting to see how the developers approach the smart contract development. On stacks and what the, the end benefits to users will be, and it's it's going to be really cool to have you guys come back to the whip on Thursday uh, to talk more about that when the mainnet launch happens. Hopefully, we'll have some developers or folks that are that'll be curious to experiment on uh, stacks that day, so we can get some experimentation happening ASAP. Um, yeah, really looking forward to that. Yeah. And, and well, to kind of like wind down. Uh, the episode because we like to to try to keep the things on the, the shorter end. Uh we one question we like to finish with is uh it's a pretty personal one. We like to kinda pillage through our guests uh crypto wallets and, and see what they have sitting in there. Uh, so I know you start off consensus, your OG Ethereum head. I'm sure you got a bunch of crypto kitties in there, but like what else do you have in your, your crypto wallets sitting around these days? Yeah,
1: good question. Um yeah, I, I I still really believe in the Ethereum project. It's kind of weird not being knee deep in that community anymore because that's where I spent so much of of my blockchain career. But as I also said, I really liked breaking out of it a bit and getting a a, a more um, open minded view on crypto. Yeah, I won't lie. Two years ago in the, in the in the trenches of Ethereum land, I was hating on Bitcoin so much and just like. <laughs> Bitcoin maximalist and was like, "Wow, you can't do anything with it. Like what are you doing?" And it's been really nice to gain some clarity and perspective of like coming out of that that ecosystem and I feel like I have a much less unbiased approach now and like I remember when I worked with Ethereum, it's like the flipping is imminent. Flipping is in, imminent. And now I'm I'm working Bitcoin and it's like look at Bitcoin's market cap. Like you are foolish if you think that's like happening anytime the next Couple months, like a couple DeFi projects come out of nowhere, and people think Ethereum is about to do the damn thing yeah back in the day wow this is such a good question I have a bunch of tokens from like early consensus projects that that were really cool um i still really think grid plus is, a, is an interesting project of they kind of set up their own energy grid down in texas and are are working with uh energy credits and tokenizing electricity and you could produce a bunch of electricity from photovoltaic cells on your roof and sell it to your neighbor Um, what else we got? Wow, this is such a funny question. Holy crap. I think, like, Decentraland's really cool. I'm, like, into VR, so, like, I bought Mana way back in the day and was messing around in in their multiverse. I think that is really cool in its integration into Brave and just, I mean, I talked a lot about how evil advertisers are. Um, on this podcast. And I think a way to compensate people for ethical advertising is, is always a step in the right direction. Wow, this is such a personal question. I got some ZRX from way back in the day. They're just like always switching it up and doing new stuff. Yeah, I don't own any of them, but just, like, so interested in all the new crazy stuff, Yearn Finance and sushi swap, and I think there's just, like, so much kicking of the tires of blockchain going on lately and just, like, pushing it to the limit and really seeing how much uh, desire there are for these types of projects and... I think if it's wo- demonstrated one thing, it's like people are ready to play with their crypto. Like we want to do interesting things with it. And like people are waiting on the sidelines for the next cool thing.
0: And then if you want to let folks know where they should pay attention to, like where they should go when uh, the mainnet net. Yeah. happens, yeah. Let them know the channels.
1: So recently, uh, Blockstack PBC has decided to shift away from Slack. We are destroying our Slack and we are gravitating into the block stack discord which is already a thriving community of awesome block stackers and we did that just so we could be closer to the community more accessible have uh, a lot of our like workplace channels we have made public just so people we realized we're doing a lot of decentralization lately we just formed a foundation we we formed a new entity called freehold um, we're really trying to decentralize our community and we realized so much of our conversation is so little of it is private and like NDA and, and uh, should be sensitive and kept for the community. So it's been cool doing a lot of our just like general conversation about work in the discord that anyone can see. So I would first recommend getting up in our discord. It's been really cool. We got the server boosted all sorts of badges and gifts and emojis. We have daily standups in the voice channels and, uh, people sharing everything from the project they're working on to the meal they ate that morning. Discord's been a blast to to kind of hang out in. Yeah, I mean, I I could rifle off certain communication channels forever. Just go to VoxTack.org and uh, we're uploading a bunch of cool new videos to our YouTube channel featuring yours truly broke out my like photoshop sketching skills to make some awesome amateur videos um our twitter forum uh, our block forum is great for like longer form posts let's say you're running into a roadblock in a tutorial and and you need to spell it out for someone to help you out forum's a good place for that Town hall at the end of the month. We are just in pedal to the metal right now. Um, since the mainnet, since testnet launch uh, back in like April, it's just nonstop hackathons, nonstop testnet phases, forming of new entities, uh, AMAs. Uh, I've been doing telegram AMAs and and Russian communities and Singapore communities. It's full core press right now on just uh, educating people about stacks 2.0 and building all the cool developer tools I was talking about and then the eventual fully-fledged apps. Yeah, I think uh, really any of the Blockstack properties have been a lot of fun to hang out in lately.
0: Awesome. So we'll definitely leave all those channels in the show notes. And I just wanted to thank you, Joe, for taking all the time to get into the weeds with us and tell us, literally everything that's going on in red box i think everyone's going to be excited to to hear all that
1: yeah no problem at all i really appreciate you guys having me on your show's awesome i was checking it out on spotify the other day and was really looking forward to coming on and uh and anticipating this episode you guys are great thanks for having me cool
0: thank you